three, two, one, blast off! Here we go! Well, I think we blasted off. In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist Woolless Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network, north and south, east and west, every state of the, of the nation, and even a few of the islands around the nation. This is the Anarchist World This Week. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. Do we have a program for you today? Maybe. Maybe. Are you bored and listless? Don't listen to the Anarchist World This Week. Go outside and do a bit of exercise. But if, but if you're full of energy, you want to do things this year, you're sick and tired of being pushed around... You want to, uh, you know, do what you've got to do? Well, this is the program for you because we've got lots of things. Don't forget, this evening, if you do live in the city of Melbourne, every Wednesday night I host a dinner which you pay for your own food and drinks. I pay for my own food and drinks at the Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant at 20 Smith Street in Collingwood. Starts at 6.30. Sorry, starts at 6. Finishes at around 9.30. Most welcome to attend Night of uh, entertainment, we're the entertainment, so come along. Now again, if you're living in the city of Melbourne, this is a bit getting a bit uh, tedious, isn't it? Don't forget the Defend and Extend public housing campaign, which is rolling along because in Victoria, both the Liberal National Party opposition and the Labor government are hell-bent on privatising what's left of the public housing sector, and we've been involved in this campaign through uh, public interest before corporate interest, now for over a year, almost 14 months. We'll be holding rallies on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House once a month, and the first rally will be this Wednesday on the 7th of February, starting at midday. It goes from about midday to 1.30. Open, open microphone. Come along, get involved in the uh, struggle to do both defend and, more importantly, extend public housing. You know, with an election coming up on the 24th of November, everybody's positioning themselves in terms of what are going to be the issues, the issues of the day for the election. And obviously the Murdoch media and uh, all their hanger-oners put their uh, money behind uh, mobster Mr Guy, mobster with a lobster or lobster with a mobster, or maybe took a lobster home, I don't know. Mr Guy, I refuse to call him Matthew, but Mr Guy, show a bit of respect, Joe. Mr Guy. And obviously the uh, Labor government, the Andrews government, doesn't really care about public housing. So we we want to make, defend and extend public housing and public interest before corporate interests, want to make public housing a central theme and issue for the Victorian state election. Not in terms of providing public housing for people who 
you know, uh, in desperate circumstances, but actually to revive the public housing sector as a sector which provides affordable accommodation to people who will never be able to enter the property market, will never be able to buy and will be forced to rent for the rest of their lives. And there's nothing more difficult, especially if you've got a young family, than renting because there is no security in terms of when you're renting. You find that the friendships you form are just uh, can be, uh, you know, dissipate. The schools your children go to can change almost overnight because you've been forced to move. So it's about security of tenure. This is a debate about security of tenure. This is a debate about providing accommodation for people, which is government-owned and government-run, who will never be able to afford to buy a house or a unit in the private housing market. And considering the average price, this is the average price of a home in New South Wales is around 900000 and around 820000 in uh, in uh, Victoria, you begin to understand how difficult it is for even two people on a wage to actually find the deposit and the impost it has on their lives to pay that mortgage. So obviously people are forced to rent. And we're seeing this situation more and more. And obviously we see it more and more on the extremes and the margins where people are being can't access housing, can't access, uh, can't buy, can't rent, and find themselves homeless or couch surfing. So our policy is very simple. We want every cent which is collected in stamp duty, and stamp duty is paid to a state governments across this country when you purchase real estate. And in Victoria, which I'm familiar with the figures, $6 billion was collected in stamp duty. And then there's land tax on top of that, which people pay if they earn more than one property. So roughly around $10 billion was collected in land tax and stamp duty. Now, instead of that money going to consolidated revenue, removing railway crossings, why not use the $6 billion that comes from stamp duty every year to build a strong public housing sector? You could could spot purchase, not even build, spot purchase, between twenty and 25,000 homes and units across the state every year. This could accommodate up to 75,000 people, even 100,000 people in public housing. So within a decade, you would have a million people in Victoria and millions across the country living in secure accommodation where people only need to pay 25% of their income in order to secure that accommodation. Now, this reform, and it is a reform, it's a simple reform, has benefits for everybody. Because as the public housing sector grows and fewer and fewer people uh, need to rent privately, rents will fall. And as rents fall, investors, in inverted commas, you know, the new, uh, the ruling class's spittle, the investor class, will be forced to divest themselves of their uh, properties for which they get negative gearing uh, benefits 
at a lower price. And this will bring down housing prices, which will make housing more affordable, private housing. So a strong public housing sector is a win-win situation for everybody except possibly investors. So it's a win-win situation. It's a win-win situation for people who will never be able to buy public housing. It's a win-win situation for people who are renting. It's a win-win situation for people who are entering the property market for the first or second time. So, as I said before, it is our aim through public interest before corporate interest and defend and extend public housing to make the idea of having a strong public housing sector which is financed by using every cent which is raised from stamp duty, which is over $6 billion in the state of Victoria and obviously billions of dollars across the country, in order to finance this. And part of our campaign is to hold monthly rallies on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House until until the state election at the end of the year and then we'll reassess our campaign depending on the outcome of that state election. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Can't make it to the Defend and Extend Public Housing on Wednesday rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House at midday on Wednesday the 7th of February. Don't despair. Go to the Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing, and you'll see the rallies, the dates, times for the uh, rest of 2018. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Descartes. If you're interested in joining public interests before corporate interests, download the application form, pipsy.net, pipsy, P-I-B-C-I.net. No use bitching, no use complaining if you don't want to do anything about it. I'm not particularly interested in listeners, you know, who get a warm, pleasant feeling from listening to The Anarchist World this week. What we want is to encourage you to take action. And if you can't take action, to encourage you to financially assist uh, campaigns and activities where people are taking action to make that new world in our hearts a reality. Because if you don't do it, nobody else will. And the slogan of public interest before corporate is very simple. We are the people we've been waiting for. We are the people we've been waiting for. That's right. All right, let's move on. Now, let's try to make a little bit of um, sense of what's happening in the stock market. And I think what we need to do is, I mean, you may find this a little bit uh, tedious, and sometimes I find it a bit tedious, but I think it's very important to understand how the system works. If you don't understand how the system works, you don't know how to dismantle it. You can't talk to people about alternatives. Now, it goes to something like this. President Groper, it's amazing, isn't it, you know? Some people grope and become President of the United States of America and some people grope and are forced to resign as Lord Mayor of Melbourne, but that's another story which we will um, look at another day. So how does it work? Now, the Australian stock market lost $84 billion in the last two days and it'll recover a little bit today. I mean, that's the way it goes. And people are saying... This is a correction. Nothing wrong with capitalism. It's okay. This is a correction. It's a correction. You know? It's a correction. Nothing more, nothing less. Just a correction. 
Now, over $1 trillion was lost on the United States stock market before it made a little modest rally in the last 24 hours. And over $84 billion was lost on the Australian stock market. Now, I've always been a little bit concerned, and I'll explain. Look, let's explain it first, how it works. Now, everybody thinks that the Groper, President Groper of the US of A, is a great economic manager. This year, the United States government will need to borrow $1 trillion to fund its activities. Last year, in 2017, the United States government borrowed $500 billion to fund its activities. The significant drop in tax receipts, which basically benefit the corporate sector in the US of A, means that what's coming to the kitty doesn't cover what needs to go out of the kitty to pay for the increased military spending that the United States of America is so famous for. Remember, it's just signed a $100 billion deal with those nice people in Saudi Arabia for a little bit of, uh, you know, sell them a little bit of military stuff. So what happens when governments need to borrow money? They put out what are called government bonds. And usually they're 10-year government bonds. And, you know, mugs buy government bonds. And what happened was that the government bond interest rate began to rise for investors. And you thought, wow, that's good. Well, no, that's bad. That's the beauty. That's the beauty. That's the beauty. It's bad. It's bad. All right? That's the beauty. All right? So what happened was that investors, inverted commas, who are the people who play with the stock market, not you and me, but investors, and some people say we play through it through our superannuation fund, which, you know, which is true and false, and we can talk about that another day. So investors began to worry. They began to worry because the United States of America and the rest of the world has been printing money, well, actually... You know, they just throw it in. They don't actually print it anymore. You know, for the last, since 2008. And when you print money, as we saw in the 1920s and 30s, you get the German disease, inflation. And as inflation increases, investors start getting the collie wobbles. They start getting the wobbles. They start thinking... What can we do to protect our assets? And they start madly selling. Because there's nothing scientific or rational about stock markets. Nothing at all. So what we saw is everybody rushing for the exit at the same time. Clouding, you know, clogging up the exit. And we saw a trillion dollar lost 
on the United States stock market and $84 billion on the Australian stock market. Now, those of you who are regular listeners to this program may remember that when the last federal election was held that I was promoting an idea which we've been promoting on the Anarchist World this week for some time, the idea of introducing a 1% turnover tax on sales on the stock market. If this 1% turnover tax, you pay whether the stocks go up whether they go down. And in these days of electronic funds transfer, all you need to do is press a button. So if there's a 1% turnover tax, you incorporate it into the computer program. Every time a stock is sold or bought, bingo, ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. Money flows into the Treasury. Now, if we had introduced, this country had introduced a 1% stock market turnover tax, we would have collected at least 13 to $15 billion dollars. Over the last two days, with an $84 billion loss, a 1% turnover tax would have generated $840 million for the public purse. So all these companies which use their fancy little accountants or big accountants to legally minimise their tax to nothing, and let's not forget that one third of Australian companies or companies listed in Australia didn't pay any tax last year, any tax, legally, well, most of them legally, a few of them <coughs> stretch the you know, stretch things a bit more. One percent. So a one percent turnover tax catches them all. If they're listed on the stock exchange, it catches them. If they're not listed on the stock exchange, it doesn't catch them. So if they're a privately owned family company, it doesn't. But if they want to raise money, and that's what a stock exchange does, it raises money for different companies then they pay that tax. And that ensures the infrastructure these companies use to generate their profits, which are paid for, not just subsidised, paid for by the Australian taxpayer, you know, are recouped. Those costs are recouped to the introduction of 1% turnover tax. And it wouldn't matter if the market went up or down, ka-ching, 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 1%. So keep your eye on the stock market because I don't believe this is a correction. I don't think, I don't, I don't like using the word believe. Believe means, you know, this, you know, it's a belief. What's a belief? Nothing. Belief is nothing. It's not based on fact. I think this is not a correction. I think that what we are seeing is the consequences of a decade of printing money. And what we are seeing now is the rise of inflation as a significant issue. And as inflation rises, interest rates rise. And as interest rates rise, because so many Australians are so heavily in debt, People get into a lot of difficulty. So keep your, eye on the, keep your eye on the stock market. There may be a correction the next day or two, but I can assure you the volatility that we saw in the last 48 hours will be a feature of life in 2018. 
you can, even the United States of America cannot run on a $1 trillion deficit. It either increases company taxes or it faces major, major issues. And the same goes for Australia. And if you think you are immune and you're paying 4% on interest on your mortgage, think what would happen if the interest rates rise to 5% or 6% or 10%. I remember, I'm old enough to remember that, um, I think it was 1980, oh, what was it, 1984, 6, 2, when we had the recession we had to have, thank you, Mr Keating, interest rates are up to 17%. Think about it. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia and the Community Radio Network. If you want to learn more about anarchism, go to anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. Learn more about the activities that I'm personally involved in and you won't find out the colour of the hanky I use or the colour of my snot. It is not on my personal Facebook page. It's about political activism. Go to Toscano, T-O-S-C-A-N-O, the number for the public, Toscano for the public. Have a look at it, become a friend. I don't buy friends, unfortunately. Isn't that interesting? People buy friends. You buy a batch of friends. Hey, look, hey, 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 mate, I found some friends around the back. Would you like 850 you know, for 450 bucks, mate? Cash. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Now let's get back to... Mr. Morrison, I mean, there are some people in life who are really in positions where they're out of their depth. depth. And Mr. Morrison reminds you of that treasurer, you know, the man who really doesn't understand what he's talking about. Now, the big thing in capitalist economics, as you and I know, is the treacle-down effect, you know? Treacle-down effect. It's what we've been um, fed for the last oh, 40 years during the period of the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation revolution. That if the rich get richer, it trickles down to everybody else. And we all enjoy the largesse of being part of corporate capitalism. Alleluia, brothers and sisters, alleluia. We are all winners. How many self-help books have you seen for that title? You can be anything you want to be. Well, I want to be a god. I want to be immortal. I'll never be a god or be immortal. End of story. Of course you can't be anything you want to be. Obviously there are limitations on anything. So... You know, here we are. They're telling us it'll come down. Look, I don't believe in the trickle-down effect. I call it the treacle-down effect. T-R-E-A-C-L-E. Treacle-down effect. You like it? Treacle-down effect. It kind of stops. And every statistical indicator over the last four decades has highlighted the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and the middle classes get screwed. And when the middle classes get screwed too much, well, then you've got a lot of poor and you've got social dislocation. And then you look at the other, you know, you look at the other as the enemy, not capitalism or corporate capitalism, the fact that 
you know people are exploiting the system and using you know uh, using parliament and government to augment their wealth. No, so the trickle down effect. Because in the last twenty years, twenty years ago, sixty percent, sixty percent of every dollar which was created profit went to the workers who created that profit. And around 30 to 35% went to the investor. You know, the shareholder, the investor. Seemed a reasonable division. One third to the investor, two thirds to the workers. Everybody benefited if there was a profitable company. Today as a direct consequence of the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatised revolution, one-third of all profits trickle down to the people who provide the labour to create that profit and two-thirds goes to the investor. So we've seen a complete turnaround. And when we hear people like Morrison, the world's greatest treasure, if ever he understood what he was reading, you know, be hailed, hail the idea that workers' wage rises are going to happen at some time during the economic cycle, you begin to realise how, you know, how wrong this is. Now, if you want wages to rise, what you do is you pass legislation in Parliament... Again, no revolution today, no blood in the streets today, you know, no you know, mass movements today, just simple parliamentary reform. You pass a legislation in Parliament which regulates what percentage of profit is passed on to the the workers who create that profit and what percentage is passed on to investors. And if you think, oh, my God, this is a bit radical. The Japanese do it. So what I would suggest is pass legislation that two-thirds of every dollar which is created in profit goes directly to the workers as a wage rise, the the basic wage and a wage rise. One-third goes to the corporation. And all those of you who think, oh, they'll use their fancy accountants, well, it's always round things around like so there are ways there are ways within a parliamentary system that you can actually introduce major reforms but in order to use parliament to introduce major reforms we need to cut the strings of the parliamentary puppet masters that small section of society that owns the means of production distribution exchange and communication the one percenters who rely on the ten percenters of investors who use Government-friendly legislation, like negative gearing, the fact that you can write off you know, a stock market losses as a tax deduction. Did you know that? You make a stock market loss, you write it off as a tax deduction. Ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. So think about it. It can be done, simply. But it means radical reform. Radical reform. And it means people becoming active. Not just in 
regarding parliamentary politics, but also extra-parliamentary politics. And that's why I've been encouraging people to join public interest before corporate interests. Now, public interest before corporate interests will be holding a congress on uh, Saturday the 3rd of March, and uh, I'll give you more details about that in the next few weeks, but all members of public interest before corporate interest should have received their invitation to attend the Congress. Well, hopefully you've all received it. So, think about it. Extraordinary. Now, you can sniff there's an election coming up, both federally and at many state government levels. Because the Murdoch media is in overdrive. I love them. I love them. It is for the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This is the Anarchist World this week. My name's Joseph Toscani, and I'm encouraging you to become active, listen, get a little bit of courage, a little bit of oomph in your life, don't just wait for somebody else to do it. You get up, get involved. You don't like what I'm talking about. You're still unhappy. You organise your own group. Think about it. Now, I'd like to move on to, you know, away from these, you know, these economic issues, as if there's such a thing as economics. I mean, I mean it's not a bloody science. It's not a science. But you've really got to understand is how the media works in this country. Because it has one role, not just the Murdoch-owned media, but 95% of the media, including, to a significant degree, the government guild at ABC. That's right, the government guild at ABC. All of you listeners who think the ABC is going to save your bacon, think again. The workers in the ABC have enough trouble saving their own bacon as... Uh, cuts are occurring, not just in terms of staffing levels, but in terms of editorial control of uh, content. Think about it. Think about it. If you've noticed a deterioration in the standard of ABC News, ABC Reporting, ABC Current Affairs, ABC Discussion, you've noticed the uh, blinkers put on, don't blame the hosts. They're just a mouthpiece. Look at the rules under which the editorial committee are forced to labour in the government guild at ABC. So this is not a criticism of individual presenters. It's a criticism of a culture which has been created through pressure from the privately owned media to gel the ABC in order to you know, maximise the profits of the private sector. So what we're seeing is a wholesale attack on multiculturalism in this country. We are seeing poison. That's right, poison being poured into the multicultural bucket. Because social cohesion is a fancy word for people getting on and not, you know, slitting each other's throats. Social cohesion in a multicultural community depends on, you know, giving, 
taking, giving, taking. And when you isolate specific communities because of the actions of a small minority within those communities, you poison that relationship. And that poison creates violence and dissension. And that's what we are seeing in Australia today. We are seeing a campaign which has been promoted by the Liberal Party, especially by Mr Guy, the leader of the Victorian opposition, who can smell an election on the, coming on the 24th of November, who believes that the way the Liberal Party in Victoria will win that election is by stirring up hatred and fear in the community by pitting Victorian against Victorian in this country. He is poison. His ideas are poison. And this particular strategy is being promoted for short-term political advantage. And the Murdoch media in the state of Victoria is 157% behind Mr Guy, mobster Guy, the man who has the audacity to turn pit communities against communities for short-term political gain who had no hesitation in having dinner, lobster included, and the best of wines, obviously, with figures in Melbourne who've got a really shady past as far as their criminal activity is concerned. And this was a dinner which looked at fundraising for the Liberal Party in Victoria. So now he is here on his high horse poisoning the goodwill that is essential for a multicultural community to function. The Mr Guy needs to resign as leader of the Liberal, National, Liberal Opposition in Victoria today. Because his political ambitions are creating so many problems in this state that he is not fit, not fit to lead a political party, let alone be Premier of the State of Victoria. And it's about time the Victorian Liberal Party understood that our little mini, you know, mini Trump ain't going to cut the mustard in a multicultural community. Because once you let the genie out of the bottle, it's impossible to repair that damage which is caused for short-term political gain for political ambition. Poison. Poison. Guy is poison. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. And when you talk about poison... The Fair Work Commission, what a joke. Now, 
sometimes I don't know whether <laughs> what I'm hearing is real. I think I'm dreaming. All this kerfuffle about the Eureka flag that builders, people for a part of the CFME or any trade unionist cannot wear a Eureka flag. Could you imagine on the job site? Who do the government think they are? Now, this is the government, as we've spoken about over the last few years on this program, which has basically made trade unionist criminals. And you wonder why there are no wage rises in the state, in Australia. Trades unions have been legislated out of existence. They cannot withdraw their labour. And even during the enterprise bargaining agreement period where they've got the right to withdraw the labour, that can be terminated, as we saw with the New South Wales rail dispute, by the so-called Fair Work Commission. But more importantly, the Building Commission, you know, just incredible powers, powers of coercion, where people can be fined $10,000 a day for not answering Questions. I could be, I could be, Mr. Big, I could import a billion dollars of heroin or ice tomorrow, right? I get nicked and I say, fair go, boys, you nick me. Girls, you nick me, all right? I have more rights legally in this country than a rank and file trade union member has when fronting The raw, when fronting the Building Workers Commission. More rights. I can refuse to answer questions. I can ask to have a lawyer present. I can be defended. But no, these people have extraordinary powers, even greater powers than the National Crime Authority has to bring in major criminal figures to interrogate them. And this is for people who are just doing their job, who have banded together to improve their rights and conditions on a job site, who are saying we need a bigger share of the profits which we create through our labour. And we see this constant criminalisation and the attacks across the board. They're against the individual, they're against the trade union, they're against individual rights. You can bloody wear what you like to work. You know, as long as it's not dangerous as far as your workplace is concerned. Obviously, if you need fluoro vests, masks, hairnets, whatever, as far as health and safety is concerned, fair enough. But why can't you wear a bloody patch with a Eureka flag on it? Or a patch with a trade union symbol on it? And it gets worse. The Fair Work Commission is currently, currently launched an investigation into the Oakley North lockout, which is a picket line which has been occurring for a number of months. Now, it's been deemed that swearing on a picket line is a coercive behaviour, all right? If you see a scab cross a picket line and you tell him where to go or her her where to go, coercive behaviour. And even Scabby the Rat, which the CFMEU, you know, brought across to their uh, picket line, had to be deflated because that was considered to be coercive behaviour. 
Now, if they think, if these people think that their prophetic laws are somehow going to stop people from banding together to improve their rights and conditions, they need to remember the Tolpuddle Martyrs. The six agricultural workers who in the 1820s, under a tree, swore an oath to come together to improve their lot in life, who were deported to Australia as convicts, who were then released and sent back to England because of the huge ruckus which occurred in England at that particular point in time. Because you get to a point where you don't care. You get to a point where you don't care. You get pushed and prodded and pushed and prodded so much by legislation that you don't care. And this is the point we are getting to today. Although only 20% of Australian workers are unionised, many of those that are unionised are unionised in quite powerful industries. And then you've got the government audacity to say, oh, you know all these not-for-profit industry-based superannuation funds which were set up by trade unions for their members who consistently give greater return to their members and the privately owned funds, we are told that those boards of management need to be changed through legislation to put in directors who owe their allegiance to the corporate world. Extraordinary things are happening in this country. And we have people, you know, putting their hands on their heart and saying, tut, 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 look at all those civil rights issues in China and North Korea and Syria, where at the very same time, we are constantly removing people's rights through legislation. And why does that occur in Australia? It occurs because the Australian Constitution does not have a Bill of Rights. It occurs because the Australian Constitution is essentially a document which regulates the relationships between the central government and the states. It has got nothing to do with individual liberty. There is nothing in the Australian Constitution which protects the individual from the arbitrary exercise of state power. So the federal government, if it had a majority in both houses of parliament, could pass legislation tomorrow which was constitutional, which in turn every green-eyed three-year-old child because they were devil spawn, because that's what the community fought at that particular point in time. So that's why we see constantly... Constantly in this so-called, you know, in this country, the removal of rights and liberties. Really petty, shitty, crappy stuff. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscan. I'm hosting today's program. Now, those of you who may not know, yesterday, the 6th of February, was Wetangi Day in New Zealand. It's the day that marks the signing of the treaty between Maoris and the invaders. And the uh, Prime Minister turned up, and for the first time, I think, in decades, not one protester. People are happy. Things are changing. Things have changed in New Zealand. They're changing. Nothing radical, but at least there's a few changes occurring. Well, in Australia, 
we get again this this what they call this pincer movement, where you try to uh, you know you try to make the government or the opposition look like some type of uh, ra- wild-eyed radicals with uh, dynamite in each hand and a nuclear bomb stuck stuck up their rear end, you know. Just extraordinary. I mean, so the Victorian state governments has a, a survey, or you know, and asks people what would they think about incorporating the frontier wars. And when you listen to the government guild at ABC, it's always the so-called frontier wars into the Anzac Day ceremonies. Well, I say, so what? As far as I'm concerned, incorporating the frontier wars into the Anzac Day ceremony is horrible. And I'll tell you why. Because Anzac Day, to a significant degree, acknowledges or remembers or commemorates people who've died, Australians who've died overseas, not fighting for freedom or democracy, but in the majority of cases fighting other people's wars for the glory of God, King and Country. 62,000 dead in World War One, another 60,000 dead within a decade of returning home with their war wounds. The huge social um, dislocation in Australia with a population of 5 million. Obviously the people involved in, the soldiers involved in World War Two is a different proposition. They were fighting fascism, totally different proposition. My feeling, as you know, is that the frontier wars should have their own day. You've got, you've got what, Tangy Day, which celebrates a treaty in New Zealand. Why not have Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Free and Fighters Day? A specific day. And what we suggested earlier on this year, those of you who came to the Tanaminawai and Morbohina commemorations, which were held on the 20th of January, which will continue to be held on the 20th of January till time immemorial, make that a specific day. Don't tag it on to Anzac Day. I mean, the people who died, the tens of thousands, if not possibly hundreds of thousands of men, women and children who died in frontier wars which last for over one and a half centuries, whose whose effects continue to reverberate through Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities, you know, they died fighting for their lands, their language, their culture, not somebody else's. They weren't fighting somebody else's wars for the glory of God, King and Country. You listen to the Atticus World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Want to join public interest before corporate interests? Pipsy.net. Want to see the things that uh, I've got planned for you? You like that? Or you've got planned for me? Go to the uh, my Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. Befriend me, because I'm not going to buy any bloody friends. Mr Matthews, very dangerous man. Playing the race card. There it is. Playing the law and order card. Playing the fear card. Poison. Poison to social cohesion. Poison. Aided and abetted by the Murdoch media. Aided and abetted. They think the natural order in Australia is for the social conservative authoritarians within the Liberal National Party who held back gay marriage for so long 
should be the rulers of this country and they will do everything possible to ensure. And if it means creating fake news, if it means creating fear, if it means poisoning the multicultural bowl, if it means ensuring, creating so much fear that elderly people and even young people won't even leave their homes, well, they don't care as long as they think there's a vote in it for them. I'm seriously contemplating beginning a campaign to get Mr Matthews removed as Liberal Party leader. I'll think about it over the next two or three weeks and then I'll let you know what I've decided. Because this man is poison. He is poison to many communities within this country. This is, people need to understand that if you go down this path, that you are unelectable. Because whether Mr Guy likes it or not, we do live in a multicultural community. All he has to do is walk down the street one day and he can see. And considering the community he represents, he needs to understand what he is doing is poisoning the harmonious relationships which should be encouraged and supported, not destroyed. Because it's very easy, Mr Guy, to point your finger at the other and use your mates in the Murdoch media to stir the pot in order to create unnecessary fear, in order to criminalise people going about their own, going about their day-to-day lives because they're a particular colour or ethnicity or they come from a particular place or they're a, or a trade unionist. This type of politics should not be part of the political landscape in this country. And we need to stand up to it. We need to stand up. There's a lot of things we need to stand up to. And if we don't stand up, you get trotted on. Look at the latest Productivity Commission report into the privately owned banks. Who are they screwing? I mean, don't tell me that crime doesn't pay. Crime does pay. All you've got to look at is the Commonwealth Bank's $4.7 billion record half-yearly profit. And what did the Productivity Commission say? Who are the banks screwing? The banks are screwing their loyal customers. That's right. Idiots like you and me who stick with the same bank, don't change our accounts, pay our bills on time. We are the idiots who have been screwed by the banks. I didn't say this. You don't have to believe me. What would I know? This is a Productivity Commission report saying on average, just on a simple mortgage, loyal bank customers are being screwed for a grand more per year than you know new customers. Extraordinary. And all you've got to do look, is look at their credit card rates, how they get in new customers, and what happens to people on you know, the old rates. 
You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. If you're listening to this program in Melbourne on the 7th of February, that's right, don't forget the Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally, which will be held on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House from midday today, from midday to 1.30pm, open microphone. We don't have any great speakers there, just ordinary people interested in a very important issue who wish to make access to public housing a central element of the 24th of November election here in Victoria. Don't forget the idea about a 1% stock market turnover tax. Simple. Everything I spoke about today, no blood in the streets, simple, simple parliamentary changes. Why not pass legislation which uh, ensures that so much of profits which are made from a particular company go directly to workers? There's a wage rise. They do it in Japan. You wouldn't call Japan a radical country. Why can't they do it here? Why a 1% stock market turnover tax? It would have made $840 million for the, uh, the common person you know, in the last two days. And when you talk about Mr Guy, just think about the poison which this man is creating in this, in this state. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Personal Facebook page, you won't find out the colour of the toothpaste I use, but you will find out all the activities I'm involved in. Toscana for the public. Interested in anarchism, go to anarchistmedia.org. Interested in... Uh, Public interest before corporate interest, go to pipsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Download the application form. Don't forget the Pipsi Congress on the 3rd of March, Saturday the 3rd of March. Yes, and you can still write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. We do need $1 stamps. We do still write to people. Because it's amazing how many people are disenfranchised by the computer revolution. So Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can leave messages, friendly messages. I just delete unfriendly messages. 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. Don't forget the dinner every Wednesday night, 6pm to 9.30pm. If you find yourself in Melbourne, come and join us at Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant, 20 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Thank you once again. Listen in next week via the Community Radio Network. Here we go. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse, 10am every Wednesday. Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.